one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning to you. Welcome to the Beyond the Game program, recording in Rochester, New York, from our very own BTG Studios. I'm Rick Benson. Joining me this week is nobody. I gave Zach the day off because you could probably hear it already. I am fighting a wicked cold, and I don't want to get him sick. In fact, as you hear this, combining that with the fact that later today is my only daughter's wedding. I have a couple of days to recover because we're recording this in advance, but as you hear this, Your prayers is appreciated because I don't want to be sick for this wedding. So we're going to do an encore presentation. In fact, this very first segment comes from our July 15th broadcast with the upcoming Mayweather-McGregor fight and how oversized egos can be a problem, even for the believer in Christ. Zach and I discuss that in this segment. Here's that segment we did back in July 15th on Mayweather and McGregor dealing with oversized egos. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. I'm not sure of the reason, but nearly one-third this past week, Zach, of our podcast downloads were of the international variety. So we say hello to those listening from around the world. Wherever you may be listening, we thank you for your support. You can subscribe to the Beyond the Game podcast, have it sent to your device each week. Simply search for us on iTunes or visit our website, btgprogram.com. Dot com. How about the pre-fight hype by Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, I can't even say his name. Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. I used to enjoy boxing. I did back in my day. Well, back in my day, when I was a <laughs> teenager, growing up, we had Muhammad Ali, George Frazier, eventually a young Mike Tyson. And for me, growing up in the Catskills, Mike Tyson was cool because he trained in Catskill, New York, and he was. Fighting every other Saturday, fight, every other week he was fighting somebody. It was great. I've never gotten into MMA, never really been a fan. It just seemed barbaric to me. And I know people have said the same thing about boxing, but maybe it's just that boxing was something I grew up with. Mm-hmm. New no York City history. had so many boxing gyms and, of course, the Golden Gloves. Now, I know they originated out of Chicago and every city has its Golden Gloves tournaments, but – there was something special about New York City boxing, and I, I get it. I have an East Coast bias, but the Mayweather-McGregor fight is just dripping to me with novelty, as if it were some sort of circus spectacle, and I guess it is. That's what promotion is all about, but they're even promoting the pre-events. Oh, my gosh. It's getting ridiculous. It, this, is, this isn't the fight. They're lining up this series of, what did they call them? Behind-the-microphone meetings, Mm -hmm. that's what they were calling it. Usually, the verbal sparring reserved for the weigh-ins, well, that's what they were setting up, a series of these things so these guys could kind of spar with one another verbally and just get at it. And it was so – it was a turnoff for me. It's very over the top. Because it was so orchestrated, it seemed. It looks more like pro wrestling than boxing. 
Yeah, it really did. And I don't know if that comes with the MMA. As I said, I don't follow it. And I know that's part of boxing. Whether you go back to the glory days of boxing or not, you mm-hmm. had to promote the fights. Right. You're out there to sell tickets, and now you're out there to sell pay-per-view subscriptions. I get the feeling with this fight, though, like we're going to finally get the fight, and it's going to be like one of those movies where the trailer looks awesome, and then you find out all the awesome parts were in the trailer, and you get to the movie and you're let down. I feel like that's what this fight is going to be. I think I've asked you this before. Do you plan to purchase the fight on pay-per-view? Wouldn't you be afraid of investing the money to find that it lasts a minute and a half? I'm sure I could catch all the interesting parts on highlight shows the next day. I don't know. It just has this novelty effect. You got one guy from boxing, one guy from MMA, and I don't know how that'll work out. I guess nobody does. That's what's part of the novelty of this whole thing. But the egos of the two guys are the same. And when you get two guys like Mayweather and McGregor, two very proud, very accomplished, very self-appreciating, I mean, they talk about themselves, they're promoting their fight. They're trying to sell, as we said, these pay-per-view subscriptions. And whenever you do, you're going to get a fair amount of testosterone-driven, low-grade debauchery. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. And, and they're riling up the crowd with this. Did McGregor really wear a suit yep. with vulgarity on it? Yep. Why is that necessary? I guess any publicity is good publicity when you're trying to sell pay-per-views. Mayweather with the Irish flag and McGregor going through Mayweather's back. back it was all just kind of silly and as you said it was almost took on a, a, a wrestling approach to it yeah, i was waiting for vince mcmahon what was i reading the wwe maybe it's the wwf i can't tell the difference <laughs> between them but roman reigns had his opponent in the back of an ambulance and slammed the ambulance into a, it just yeah. a bunch of crazy stuff that'll be next week for mcgregor and, and mayweather I get that they have supersized egos. I think it's sports to be successful. You have to have confidence in yourself that borders on and, and maybe breeds an inflated ego. And isn't that then only increased because you've enjoyed success? Once you've had that success, your ego, I think, is naturally grown. It's almost contrary to be a successful athlete and remain humble. It's, it's hard to do. Heck, you, you you want your athletes to have a little swag, like Aaron Judge. We've talked about this during one of the previous segments. He seemed to say all the right things. He flashed a humble smile. He said, we'll see about coming back next year, even when pressed. It seemed, though, like he knew he was the big man on campus. Mm-hmm. He was the guy there that everybody was there to be. You know he wanted to say, oh, yeah, I'll be back next year because who's better at this than me? But he didn't say that. The Bible says in Matthew twenty sixteen that so the last shall be first and the first last. God has a way of humbling the proud and then using the small to do amazing things. You think of David, obviously, all those great warriors, and they pick a, a, a shepherd boy with five stones and, and beats Goliath. It shows that God is powerful. Behind the achievement. He's the power behind that achievement, not the man. I think we get in trouble whenever we lose sight of that. We begin to think about all that I've done. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. We're supposed to be drawing attention to the glory of the Savior, and yet we manage to find 
a way to make sure that we get noticed too, that we get included, that we don't get overlooked. And our sports culture just, well, it doesn't teach humility. It rewards confidence for sure, but it also rewards arrogance. Social media alone provides so many ways for us to boast about our accomplishments. Just as McGregor and Mayweather are doing, many people use social media to draw attention to themselves while sort of Sort of acting as though they're not, that's not what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a young, young man working in the ministry that I was leading at the time and the guy loved when I would ask him to preach. And look, getting an opportunity to share the word of God is a privilege for sure and certainly worth getting excited about. But it always seemed that it was more the attention that he got, he, he really got jazzed up for. It was more the spotlight and Many times, that's what people think the ministry is, holding the microphone, uh, speaking to the crowd, singing on stage. And while that's part of it, the most impactful part of ministry is the one-on-one relationships that you can build with other people, the way you treat them, the way you serve them, the way you care for them, the way you take time to listen to them, uh, talk to them, just, just taking time for them. So on this one occasion, a young man's going away. For a few months working as a counselor at a camp. He's been away a couple of weeks. He is home for, I don't know, a holiday, whatever, weekend, whatever. He wants to know if, when he goes back to camp, if I want him to Skype in with the students. And I thought, why in the world do I want you to Skype in with the students? <laughs> so I pressed him. Well, well, because they're going to be interested in what I'm doing. So I, I pushed a little further. Why? Why would they be interested? What he wanted was to get up and tell everybody what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And okay, you're young, you're naive, you're stupid, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be careful about pressing this point too hard, insinuating that I know people's motives. But is it our ego we're feeding? Or are we truly seeking to glorify a very deserving God? The other day, my wife and daughter and I, we were talking about the, you know, those church meal wagons that they have, the little circle of groups that bring a meal when somebody has a baby or oh, yeah, yeah. somebody has somebody dies or somebody gets hurt. Well, you sign up for these meal trains or meal wagons or whatever they're called. In many cases, it's the Christian equivalent of soccer moms trying to outdo one another. Well, what did you bring them? I brought them this. Well, the other day, somebody basically scratched their elbow. And I saw that the it was a church leader's wife. One of the leaders in the church, a very prominent person, his wife, one of their child broke their leg or something, broken arm. I don't know what it was. It was the child. It wasn't the wife. So anyway, they're all signing up for this meal train. And again, I, I'm trying to be careful because I, I'm pressing this, but I don't know people's motives. But it just seemed like, well, they wouldn't have done this for somebody less prominent. I was pretty sure of that. And it bothered me. Of all the people, this woman doesn't work outside the home. I'm sure she works very hard in the home. I'm not debating that. My point is, there are a lot of people who could use a meal. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that could have used this. And here these people are lining up for the next two weeks to bring this person a meal because their kid broke her arm, broke her leg, whatever it was. And I can't help but think, well, you're just trying to be seen because you wouldn't have done that for a less prominent person. Mm-hmm. Now, Look, it's it's wonderful, no doubt about it. Now, I'm not intending to be critical, not intending to be callous. Get off my lawn. 
but this was less about less about helping another person as much as it was patting themselves on back saying look at me look at how caring i am the fellowship of christian athletes they put out a daily email a daily devotion and earlier this week there was one that kind of goes right along with what we're talking about here we're talking about people's egos and how they can be a problem. I'm not talking about confidence. I'm talking about an inflated ego. They said that for one, egos, well, they push people away. Think back to the time that you encountered maybe an athlete or a celebrity who was full of themselves or just an average person who was full of themselves. You probably didn't want to be in their presence for very long. Nope. You wanted to get away. Proverbs 27.2 says, We're told to let another praise you and not your own mouth and a stranger not your own lips. And yet so many people are touting their own horn on social media. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Bragging about our accomplishments won't draw others to Christ. It won't even draw them to us. We need to be secure in our identity, and we need to know that we are valued by God, with or without those achievements. If anything needs to be said, well, let somebody else say it about you. Secondly, in this FCA devotional said egos hurt people. As Christians, we want to be, we want people to be drawn to us so that we can share God's love with them. But a giant ego gets in the way. Sometimes successful people think they're better than others. So as a result, they start to speak and act ways that, um, sort of reflect the fact that they believe they're better than other people. They come across very judgmental. They use sarcastic comments. They, they're very selfish in the way they act, which obviously damages the relationship. Successful athletes, they have to be especially cautious about this because, again, that kind of success just sort of breeds it. Romans 12.3 says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Another thing mentioned in the FCA devotional was that egos make, well, they make some people unteachable. You think you know it all. You know, there's nothing wrong with being being knowledgeable about something, but sometimes when we think we know it all, we won't listen to others. And Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 to 7 say, Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. And she will guard you, love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. There's always more. There's always more to learn in life. And God can use anyone to teach us. And as we said a little earlier in this segment, God loves to use the small. He loves to use the unproud. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. The last thing they said there is that egos, egos want the spotlight. Mm-hmm. We should be shining our light to reflect Christ. And again, as we talked about earlier, people are quick to critique someone who is doing something which they would like to do. They let their egos get in the way of actually seeing what God is doing through that other person. As Christians, we need to recognize the light in others. We need to encourage others to shine as God has created them to do. Just one more. They said egos take the focus off God, and that's really what we're saying here. Too often, people often believe they're in control of their own wealth, their jobs, their relationships, etc. 
1 Corinthians one thirty one says, So that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We're to show others that God alone deserves the glory. If you're battling an ego problem, you should actually be encouraged. It means that the Holy Spirit is causing you to recognize how important humility is in your walk with the Lord. The more we allow God to shape us through his spirit, the more humility will become part of our regular character. Prayer, worship, meditation on God's words, all effective keys to spiritual growth and a victory over pride. And you can live out your faith, and you can reveal it to others by being encouraging, offering compliments, expressing gratitude, and by acknowledging God's role in your success. Do this, and people are going to be drawn to you, not because of your success, but by you hand, by the way you handle that success and who you are in the midst of that success. I want to thank you for being with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson, along with Zach Barletta. We'll be back right after this. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that can pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. 
My name is Kurt Cameron, and uh, together with Warren Barfield, we are putting on an incredible event that is designed to fireproof marriages. Maybe you saw the movie Fireproof. Maybe that resonated in your heart and in the heart of your church and your community. Well, this event, in essence, takes the movie and turns it into a live experience. We want to pull down as many barriers and walls that would separate us from coming together around the gospel for the sake of building up our marriages and our families. If we're concerned about the future of the church, we've got to heal the family, and it's got to be done in a gospel-centered way. That's what Love Worth Fighting For is all about. Feed Your Faith presents the Love Worth Fighting For marriage event, Saturday, August 26, 7 p.m. at First Bible Baptist Church in Hilton. Visit loveworthfightingford.com. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson joining you, taking you through an encore presentation of BTG. This next segment came from last week's show, August 12th. Zach and I discussed the situation at Ole Miss and, and, and that of head coach, former head coach, Hugh Freeze. And the question we're kind of digging through here is, does a misstep by what has been an otherwise faithful man nullify all that he's done or will do in the name of Christ? We all have areas where we struggle. We don't have the details. We don't know everything that happened here at Ole Miss at this point. It seems odd that based on a one-minute phone call to an escort service that could very well have been misdialed, that you would fire your coach or at least bring him to the point of resignation because, of course, he resigned before being fired. Zach and I break this down in this segment from last week's show dealing with Ole Miss, former Ole Miss head coach Hugh Freeze. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. Charles Barkley once famously said that he's not a role model in a, in a sense of, of course he is. He's a role model. When given such a platform as pro athletes have, like it or not, there will be those who admire, those who look up to them, and therefore they're role models. They may not have asked for that. They may not have even wanted that. But involuntarily or not, they've got it. But the other side of what Barkley was saying is that he knows he can't measure up as he ought, or maybe even as he would like, So, and he doesn't want that responsibility of being a role model. doesn't change the fact that you have that responsibility, but I, I get what he's saying. The best role model for any child, of course, is in their own home. Their parents can be the best, or sometimes they can be the worst examples a young person will ever have. And though not as powerful as a parent, coaches, teachers, youth leaders, they're all tasked with some degree of a very great responsibility in being a role model to young people. But what Barkley seemed to acknowledge is that when you when you place a man in a position to be of that of a role model, in many ways you're setting them up for a failure, which is probably why he's look. I'm not a role model. I don't want any part of it. I don't want to be set up to fail. The Bible gives us a fairly stark reminder of this in Micah chapter 7, verse 5, which says, Do not trust in a neighbor. Do not have confidence in a friend. From her who lies in your bosom, guard your lips. Look, there's, don't trust man. They're going to let you down. 
People are sinners. They're going to mess up. They're going to let you down. We, we, we all have to be careful to not pile on when somebody is down. We don't want to be too critical. After all, we have our own issues. You know, we have mm-hmm. our own faults to deal with. So when somebody falls, we need to be real careful about how hard we're going to pile on. I remember it was shortly after uh, a well-known faith magazine. He did a full spread on then Baylor head coach Art Bryles. And it was shortly after that his football program came under fire. And, of course, everything went down there. Now, I want to be careful in saying that the magazine wasn't overstating Bryles or making him out to be something that he wasn't. It was just sort of unfortunate timing. Here was a, a, a good man up as far as anybody knew and, and probably is a good man. But he made some mistakes there and, and he had some problems and he messed up. People will mess up. Bryles seemed like, like many like many people in our everyday walks of life, seem to be a good man who just simply messed up. There's great truth in that that bumper sticker, Zach, that, you know, the one that says Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's great truth in that. This situation at Ole Miss regarding recently resigned head coach Hugh Freeze is yet another example of troubling behavior from a man who had been very outspoken about his faith. I follow Freeze on social media. I'm a fan of what he stands for. I, you know, I'm, I'm always careful to raise a man too high because at the end of the day, he's a sinner. Like you are, like I am. He needs the same saving grace of God that you and I need. And the reason I bring this up is twofold. I think it's important, as I sort of alluded to a minute ago, to be careful how harsh you are when you criticize somebody when they fall. You know, life has a funny way of humbling you. When it becomes your turn and things turn around and people are criticizing you, I think you want to tread a little lightly. Whenever we're offering correction, whenever we're sizing up a situation, we need to do it in context of Scripture, looking at what the Bible says, because it's too easy to let our emotions get in there and sort of interfere and influence how we feel about a situation. It clouds our judgment. Instead of what we should do, analyzing something based on what God's Word says, we easily find ourselves telling people what we think or what we would do. And if we're basing our views on Scripture, well, then we can't go wrong. That's what we need to do. But the other thing I want to point out, there's no fall so great that God can't help us out of it. Mm -hmm. When we've tripped, when we've fallen, it's an opportunity to to tell how God picked us up and put those pieces back together. With humility, we praise God for his healing, his redemption, and his transforming power. There's a lot of details still out there. We don't know what really took place at Old Miss. Much more will be forthcoming, I'm sure. One big question at the center of things is a USA Today report that revealed that a one-minute call, a one-minute phone call, was made in 2016 from Freeze's university-issued cell phone to a number that's associated with a female escort service. Freeze has claimed that was just simply a misdial, but the university has said since that they have found a sort of concerning pattern when it looked further into his phone records. And certainly that's very troubling for a man that is so outspoken about his faith. Can you explain a one-minute phone call to an escort service? Paul Feinbaum is a college football reporter, a talk show host. He said earlier this week, I really don't believe that the firing of Hugh Freeze had very much to do with one misdialed phone call to an escort service. If you had to hold truth, it had less to do with that and more to do with something else. That seems to make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mississippi Athletic Director Russ Bjork 
said that after some internal digging, it was a pattern of personal misconduct that moved him to fire Freeze had Freeze not voluntarily resigned. Bjork added that at the time of Freeze's resignation that he admitted as much of that conduct to them. It, it, it seems so out of character for a man who is so bold about his faith. But a one-minute phone call to an escort service would seem like very little to me for a university to press his coach to this to the point of resignation. That was my reaction as well. Very possibly is a misdial. Maybe it is. It, it that's easy to do. I just don't see any employer going to war with a one-minute phone call as the best weapon it has. So this, it doesn't make sense. There has to be more to it, which I'm sure we'll be hearing about as time goes on. But prior to Ole Miss, there are some curious allegations made against him while he was head coach at Briarcrest Christian School in Memphis. Much like the one-minute phone call to an escort service, things that, well, they're just kind of strange. They're kind of misplaced. They're kind of weird. Things that amount to a he-said-she-said situation, which could have merit to them, or they could easily be explained away as just nothing more than awkward behavior. For example, one of the things was, disciplining a young lady by spanking her with a paddle. Now, perhaps nothing sexual, but, man, that's weird. Mm -hmm. That's certainly awkward. And with that as a possible background, if there are some merit to those claims, it certainly impacts how you view now this one-minute phone call to an escort service. If you don't know anything about that Briarcrest history, okay, this seems out of place. Well, if you do know a little bit about that history, whether it's true or not, we don't know, but it sort of does now kind of make you go, hmm, you mm-hmm. know, this is different. Now, to be fair, for his part, Freeze has denied those allegations. He said in a statement to USA Today, these accusations are totally false. I can unequivocally say that during my time at Briarcrest Christian School, I handled disciplinary issues professionally and in accordance with the school's policy. Now, would it be unthinkable? For a man who seems to have it together and would appear to be strong in the hate in, in the faith to have a problem with sexual temptation? No, it happens oh, all the time. Of course, you're right. The statistics on pornography usage within the church are staggering. Know this about Hugh Frieza. And it's true about me, and it's true about you. We're not perfect. We have dark areas of our lives which maybe we've kept concealed, but we know they're difficult temptations for us. And the devil knows knows those areas, too. And though we're not perfect, and though we may occasionally fall, this does not necessarily disqualify us from being used by God in a mighty way. We all have an opportunity to be forgiven. Hugh Freeze was on our friend Jason Romano's Sports Spectrum podcast recently. He talked about the struggle with sin nature. He specifically talked about a huge struggle when he was 18 to 20 years old, and it caused him to question his Christian faith. This is Hugh Free speaking. He says, It took me talking a lot with my mentors to really understand the battle with the sin nature will never go away. And it's only by God's grace that we can overcome that and with daily surrender to that. Now, since that podcast aired a couple weeks ago, Freeze has now talked to the media for the first time since stepping down at Ole Miss, and he told USA Today that God is good, even in difficult times. That's the opportunity right there, that that even in difficult times, even after having messed up, we can still give God the praise of which he is worthy. During the interview with USA Today, Freeze was told that people have expressed disappointment 
with how Freeze resigned, but they're standing by him to which Freeze would say, I, I would expect that. And yeah, I, w- I would be too, because there is some disappointment to that. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be careful about how hard you come down on a guy, knowing our own faults, but man, there is some disappointment there. I admire his standing there in the face of such a difficult situation. How many times have we seen guys with less integrity just sort of hide, deny, maybe lie their way through such time? Freeze told Romano on that Sports Spectrum podcast that integrity is not every single time doing what's right or no one would have it. I'm not sure who could raise their hand and say, you know, I've always every single time done everything exactly right. But integrity is when an issue arises and something is wrong, you acknowledge it, you address it, and you move forward from it. Now, again, there's more that there's certain to come out because as you and I both agree, Zach, that one-minute phone call is not Mm-hmm. Boy, that's not a whole lot to go on. And I suspect that Freeze's name is going to be dragged through the mud some more, and I'm confident that the devil would have it that way. Obviously, the devil wants to uh, discredit his testimony for Christ, but the truth is it could end up being even more powerful for God's glory. And we might wonder how God could ever use such seemingly embarrassing and humiliating situation, and in our own strength, Maybe it would be so, but remember what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12.10, For when I am weak, then am I strong. The important thing is to remember that Freeze is a sinner in need of a Savior. And before you put your foot too firmly on his throat while he's down, Remember that you're a sinner, too, who is also in need of a Savior. And it's good to know that Freeze has found his Savior at the cross in Jesus Christ. But maybe you still have a need. Pastor Michael Catt is a friend of Freeze and said, I hurt for him, but he will always be my friend. True friends are the people who walk into the room when so-called friends walk out. All of us stumble. That's why we need Jesus to pick us up and friends to love us when we do stumble and fail. Folks, people are going to mess up. Go go easy. Be fair. You can be firm, but be fair. Remember to treat them how you would like to be treated if you're in their shoes. And remember that God extends the same grace and forgiveness to you that he extended to Hugh Freeze. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you. And believe it or not, he still wants to do great things in your life. He still wants to use you. If you have not come to that place in life where you've thought about the forgiveness of sins and what consequence that may have after you die, then I hope you do that today. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you want to be saved from your sins, ask God today to forgive you. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Here is the Red Hawks Report for August 12, 2017. The Red Hawks Report being presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. We're just about two and a half weeks before the start of the soccer season for both the Red Hawks men's and women's teams. A soccer doubleheader coming up on Thursday, August 31st, 
as the women will take on Lemoyne College at 5 p.m., followed by the men hosting Lake Erie College at 7.30. Men's soccer coach Scott Reber announced this week the signing of Mateo Alexander to the incoming class of 2017. Alexander started at Allendale Columbia High School, where he was a three-time Finger Lakes All-Star and was named the Finger Lakes West Player of the Year in 2016. He was also a two-time State Cup champion. Alexander is a midfield forward who excelled academically, achieving both high honors and AP Scholar student. Though it seems late to be announcing signings for this year's incoming class, Alexander says, I had a last-minute change of mind and decided to stay closer to home. I felt as though Roberts was the best place to do that, with its strong sense of community, Christ-centered, and its newly introduced honors program. You can get all the news as it pertains to Roberts Wesleyan Athletics at their new website, robertsredhawks.com. Get scores, highlights, and more once again, robertsredhawks.com. That'll do it for the Red Hawks Report for this week, August 12, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is presented, as always, by Roberts Wesleyan College. Follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. My name's Kirk Cameron, and uh, together with Warren Barfield, we are putting on an incredible event that is designed to fireproof marriages. Maybe you saw the movie Fireproof. Maybe that resonated in your heart and in the heart of your church and your community. Well, this event, in essence, takes the movie and turns it into a live experience. We want to pull down as many barriers and walls that would separate us from coming together around the gospel for the sake of building up our marriages and our families. If we're concerned about the future of the church, we've got to heal the family, and it's got to be done in a gospel-centered way. That's what Love Worth Fighting For is all about. Feed Your Faith presents the Love Worth Fighting For marriage event, Saturday, August 26, 7 p.m. at First Bible Baptist Church in Hilton. Visit loveworthfightingford.com. 
Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson taking you through an encore presentation of Beyond the Game. You could probably hear my voice that I am dealing with a with a significant cold. So I've asked Zach to take the night off. I didn't want to sit across from him in the studio and get him sick. In fact, I'm preparing for later today being part of my daughter's wedding, and we're looking forward to that. And, of course, you could pray for me because we still, as you hear this, there's still a few hours before the wedding. As I'm recording it, there's a few days for me to recover. So your prayers are appreciated to help me get over this cold. As we are doing an encore presentation, this next segment came from our July 29th program. And Zach and I are both Yankees fans. There's no secret to that. So we kind of enjoy when the Red Sox implode a little bit. And it's always been hard here in recent years because the Red Sox have been, well, one, they've been good. But two, they've got guys on the team that I that I like. I like rooting for them. I want to see them do well. Guys like Dustin Pedroia comes to mind. But in this instance, they also have David Price, who more or less just ambushed Dennis Eckersley because of some things Eckersley said on the air as a broadcaster, which weren't even about Price. So we give a biblical perspective on dealing with conflict, and we take it from this segment. Here's that segment we did on July 29th, dealing with David Price and Dennis Eckersley. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program coming to you from the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. So it was reported earlier this week, Zach, maybe it was late last week, pitcher David Price had a bit of a disagreement with Hall of Famer, <laughs> former Red Sox pitcher, current broadcaster Dennis Eckersley on the team plane. Apparently, Price didn't like something that Eckersley had said on the air about another player, much like the way he played. Eckersley, he he comes right at you. He's opinionated. He says whatever's on his mind. And over the course of his broadcasting career, he's frosted the few fannies of a number of players along the way. Of course, he's filling in currently for Jerry Remy, who's dealing with recurrence of lung cancer. But this isn't somebody who does not have a frame of reference for the game of baseball. This is Dennis Eckersley. He's a Hall of Fame pitcher. It's not somebody who just went to broadcasting school, Mm -hmm. you know, never played at the professional level. This is Dennis Eckersley. And isn't that what you hear players complain about sometimes? Well, the broadcaster, he he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's never played the game. Right. This isn't that. This is a guy who played it and – Played it pretty darn well. At an well. elite level for a long time. Yeah, he's among the best to have ever done it since he's enshrined at Cooperstown. I think David Price must not be familiar with the law that says if you have a boss mustache like Dennis Eckersley, you can <laughs> say whatever you want. <laughs> According to Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe, Price took issue with Eckersley saying, yuck, referring to Eduardo Rodriguez's stats as they were displayed on a television screen after Rodriguez made a minor league rehab start at A Portland a start in which he allowed six runs, nine hits, in just three innings. And remember, this was against minor league hitters, double-A minor league hitters. Yeah, yuck. Yuck. I think yuck is probably being pretty kind, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. The story seems to be that Price was standing somewhere in the middle of the plane with a group of teammates around him. So they're waiting for Eckersley to go by, which naturally he would because broadcasters sit in the back of the team planes. So I'm picturing in my mind, some type of ambush as they're sitting there waiting for this guy. That's what guy. it sounds like if you read it. Yeah. So as Eckersley neared 
Price blocks his path like a little kid and shouts, here he is, the greatest pitcher who ever lived. This game is easy for him. And, of course, Price is a big-deal player. I mean, he's David Price. He's a big-deal player. Mm-hmm. So I'm picturing all these little players around him, little-deal players, who just want to be accepted, want to be you know, given approval by the big dog. So they're all applauding his moronic behavior. And then the, re- the report says that when Eckersley tried to give his side of the story, kind of explain where he was coming from, Price simply told him to get the blank out of here, which he says again a little while later when Eckersley goes to the front of the plane to talk to somebody. And then on his way back, he ends up saying the same thing, get the blank out of here. Now, I, you know, I love bashing the Red Sox. But to be quite honest, apart from that one David Ortiz segment we did a month or two or three ago, mm-hmm. It's been hard because I think they've assembled a pretty classy group of guys here in Boston. I, you know, I, I I'm a Yankees fan, but I kind of like the team they have. I like the guys on it. But this brings us back to the good old days when Red Sox players make it so easy to dislike mm-hmm. them. You know, like when their catcher gets all tough guy when he's wearing a mask and full gear and decides he wants to get in somebody's face pandering to the home crowd. I think you know the situation I'm talking about. Yeah, I think we just celebrated the anniversary of that this week. Yeah, that's right. You made a tweet about that, didn't you? Yeah, I saw that. There are two types of people who block somebody's path by standing in their way, taunting them. Immature child and bullies. And David Price was being both. Because a broadcaster said about six runs, five of which were earned, on nine hits and three innings because a broadcaster said that was yuck. As if bullying a broadcaster doesn't make a player look ridiculous already. Price goes next level stupid. When he was asked the next day about the incident, he said, quote, some people just don't understand how hard this game is. The guy you're talking about is a Hall of Famer. What doesn't he understand? Yeah. In fact, Eckersley is a guy who succeeded both as a starter and as a reliever. I'm guessing that he probably understands more about pitching than most pitchers. Mm -hmm. And he pitched into a very advanced age. I would say probably the last few years it was very hard for him. You just don't see players, you know, getting all that worked up about something they said in the media. You know, they know it comes with the territory. But when they do, they usually pick their spots and it's usually about something a little bit more significant or a little bit more harsh than calling someone's stats yuck. Red Sox manager John Farrell confirmed the incident, said that it was being handled internally. Of course, you know, company line. Mm-hmm. The Boston Globe reports that Price met with Farrell and Red Sox president Dave Dombrowski and that even team owner John Henry and chairman Tom Werner have all tried to resolve this situation. Yet no public apology has been given to Eckersley. Farrell would only say that the Red Sox have moved on and our focus is on winning games. Classy. Mm -hmm. In fact, when asked on a Boston area radio program if he had personally apologized to Eckersley, Farrell responded, yeah, that's a no. Now, Eckersley's not traveling with the Red Sox on this current West Coast trip they're on. He isn't expected to be with the team on the road anytime in the near future, so maybe there'll be time for for this whole thing to, to calm down, but Price is a bit of a piece of work. He seems ultra-sensitive. I mean, it was only a month ago that he said he wasn't going to speak anymore on days that he doesn't pitch. So in other words, he's only going to speak to the media when he has to. Mm-hmm. He, he had He's had other incidents with reporters, specifically following a game in New York even earlier this year. Now, it seems to me, don't you think there has to be more to this? Like Price, 
for Price to get so worked up over him saying yuck about Eduardo Rodriguez, mm-hmm. seems to me there's more to it. Like, he had to have been upset about something Eckersley may have said about him, although it looks too self-serving if you're going to approach Eckersley on your own behalf, so he makes looks more heroic if he's defending Rodriguez. And didn't, when Price was with the Blue Jays for a half season, didn't they have an issue with the media where they had pictures hung up in the locker room of which media people they could and couldn't talk to? Yes. Because if, that, if that's yes, when you're he was right. on the team, now you have a pattern of things that follow him around. Yeah, you're right. I, let Rodriguez handle his own situation. He's a grown man. He can do it. That's the thing that really jumped out at me, too, besides just the, the idiocy of the situation, is he's not even the guy that the comments were made about. The guy that he made the comments about hasn't said anything that I know of. I haven't seen any comments from him either. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 and 16 says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If Price was so bothered by something Eckersley said about Rodriguez, what he should do was was go to Eckersley. Yeah. Go to him and try to get it right without making a scene, without trying to intimidate someone into relenting their positions. There's better ways than trying to bully somebody. Go to the other person, try to get it right. And then if that doesn't work, go to them again, but this time take another person with you, not confrontationally, but, you know, with a real concern, a real motive to try to get it right. And, you know, look, if they still don't come around, that other person, at least you got one or two witnesses there who said, well, they can verify that you tried. Mm-hmm. And by the way, those witnesses may, they may actually see that you have some fault in the situation and, you know, we should be prepared to receive that if that's, you know, if, if we're following this biblical way of handling conflict and, and we take these witnesses and they say, you know what, you have a little fault here. Well, be prepared to hear that. This is where humility goes hand in hand with trying to get our pride under control. And I suspect had David Price done this, somebody, somebody would have had at least half a sense to have suggested Maybe you're overreacting here, David. All he said was, yuck, it really isn't worth getting all that hot and bothered over. Especially since, as we both said, it wasn't even about him for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Always private before public. People people like to complain about things because it's actually easier to complain about it than discussing it with that other person. Remember, forgiveness and restoration is the goal. But too often, people are like Jonah. You know, we're angry. We, we just want to see the opponent or, or the person on the other side of the conflict embarrassed, humiliated. We want to see them relent. Jonah, want, did he, you know, he just wanted to see judgment on Nineveh. He didn't want to see them repent and turn to God. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Like many of us, when we're involved in a disagreement or in a conflict, David Price was only concerned with coming out on top. For him to say that Eckersley, of Eckersley, that some people just don't understand how hard the game is, well, that just proves he really didn't care anything about Eckersley because he does understand how hard the game is. Mm -hmm. There was no humility of mind. He definitely wasn't regarding Eckersley as more important than than himself. And I think we can— we can diffuse nearly every situation if we follow that advice found there in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. When we approach a disagreement, when we approach it with humility, 
we view the other person and their feelings as more important than our own, resolution is generally pretty quickly resolved. Now, I'm not saying they're going to end up agreeing with you. I'm not saying you're going to get your way, but you are more prepared to disagree peaceably if that should be the ultimate a- outcome. We must always be prepared to seek forgiveness, not not only to seek forgiveness, but to grant forgiveness. Yes, we should look for that, but we should also be prepared to give it. Matthew chapter 18, Peter asked the Lord how often one needs to grant forgiveness. Seven? And in, verses, uh, in verse 22 of chapter 18, which we just read a little bit a little ago from chapter 18, Jesus says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, you just keep forgiven as long as they keep asking. And remember what the Bible says in James chapter 4. Of course, that passage speaking specifically of conflicts within a Christian community, you know, within the church, but it's always good to take pause and kind of see Man, what is the real root of this problem? Could it be my pride? Could the conflict be me wanting my own way? Could it be that I have some lack of understanding? James 4.1 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? That there's something within you that you want passionately more than you're concerned with the other person? It's a good chapter to end this discussion on. Really, to resolve conflicts, more often than not, we only need to examine our own side of the situation. If resolution is truly what we seek, then what we need to do is humble ourselves. Four basic steps, four basic steps outlined in James chapter four. The first one and the first three verses, you see that uh, to resolve conflicts, we should judge our own selfish motives. How am I being selfish here? There's probably some selfishness on my own part. In the next three verses, verses 4 to 6, there's the instruction to stop chasing after our own desires and instead look for God's grace. To resolve conflicts, the third step outlined in James chapter 4 is to submit to God, resist the devil, and repent of sin. And the fourth one is pretty simple. Stop judging others. Submit yourself to God's will. Inside the church, with inside the Christian community, there really should be no conflict at all. David Guzik says this, No two believers, both walking in the Spirit of God towards each other, can live with wars and fights among themselves. If you're truly out there living for Christ, being a, walking in the Spirit of God, there's no way you and I can be at a quarrel because we both have the same thing in mind. With Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. We'll be back right after this short break. My name is Kirk Cameron, and uh, together with Warren Barfield, we are putting on an incredible event that is designed to fireproof marriages. Maybe you saw the movie Fireproof. Maybe that resonated in your heart and in the heart of your church and your community. Well, This event, in essence, takes the movie and turns it into a live experience. We want to pull down as many barriers and walls that would separate us from coming together around the gospel for the sake of building up our marriages and our families. If we're concerned about the future of the church, we've got to heal the family, and it's got to be done in a gospel-centered way. That's what Love Worth Fighting For is all about. Feed Your Faith presents the Love Worth Fighting For Marriage Event, Saturday, August 26, 7 p.m. at First Bible Baptist Church in Hilton. 
Visit loveworthfightingfor.com. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Well, that's going to just about do it for this week's Encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. Hope you enjoyed some of the segments that we've done from previous weeks. I want to apologize and thank you for putting up with my voice as I introduce these segments. I am battling a cold. Your prayers are appreciated. I uh, want to say happy marriage to my daughter. She gets married in just a few hours. Interesting story there. When she started dating this young man, in fact, when she was born, I started praying when she was very, very young that she would not have a lot of boyfriends. I didn't want her to have to go through that heartbreak. She's dated this young man since she was a freshman in high school. They've now dated through four years of high school and four years of college, and it's the only boyfriend she's ever had. And I just praise God for answering that prayer and just um, protecting her from all that heartbreak. Thanks again for being with us. Here's the close to last week's show, which include Are You Like That's? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. What I like this week, and, and I'll tell you, to explain the incredible journey of former NFL quarterback Kurt Warner, one has to acknowledge the work of God in the life of one of those who does indeed love him. Kurt Warner, who came to the NFL via the Arena League, then became a Super Bowl champion and MVP with the Rams, would make another Super Bowl appearance by leading the Arizona Cardinals to that franchise's only Super Bowl. Warner was inducted this week into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What I like this week is Hall of Fame speeches by Warner and even by LaDainian Tomlinson, who spent a great deal of time thanking God for his many blessings. But it was especially the speech of Kurt Warner, who invoked the name of Jesus, that I like. Quote, and the only place this extraordinary journey can end, said Warner, His final moment was for me. Mine is for him. Thank you, Jesus. There is something special about the name of Jesus. Kurt Warner's faith for Christ and his place among the all-time greats in Canton. Well, that's what I like this week. You like that? You like that? What I like this week is the Little League World Series. Um, There's already been some some highlight moments. I'm sure you've seen some of them, Benson. There was that kid that hit the gigantic run into the trees. They said that was measured around 375 feet. That's a big league home run that kid hit. Um, one of my favorite things is the little the little bio blurbs and the kids' uh, information that comes on the screen. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. There's the one kid that said he looks at memes before his games to get loose. And uh, my favorite <laughs> was uh, Ben Diebler from Vermont. His little bio read, has a crush on his teacher. Sup, Mrs. Stevens. <laughs> that was the best thing I've seen all you week. Like so that? The Little League you World like Series. That? This has been the Beyond the Game program. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Let us hear from you. You can stop by our website, btgprogram.com, or send us an email to hosts at btgprogram. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. (laughs) 